Welcome to Courageous Parenting Podcast, a weekly show to equip parents with biblical truth on raising confident Christian kids in an uncertain world. Hi, I'm Angie from Courageous Mom. And I'm Isaac from Resolute Man. We've been married for 21 years and have seen the fruit from raising our eight kids biblically based on the raw truth found in the Bible. We can no longer let the culture win the hearts of children. Too many children from Christian families are walking away from their faith by age 18. And it doesn't have to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Join us as we start an important conversation about effective parenting in the following world. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, guys. We're so glad you're here with us. We appreciate you being part of the movement. And today we're talking about going to church. If you've made it this far, you weren't turned off by the title. That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> you may be thinking, well, well, okay, so there's a couple things you could think. <laughs> One thing you could think is, well, obviously, that's like obvious, Isaac and Angie. Of course, we need to go to church. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll get into that. This is actually a very important conversation because of everything that we have all been exposed to and experienced in the last three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that it's it's very important conversation that we need to be having regarding why. And even let's say you're there's different situations. Let's say you're going to church every week and everything's great there. Well, this is a really important episode, perhaps for people you know. Mm-hmm. We would love it if you shared this episode mm-hmm. because um, church is very important to God, and it's That's important right. to the edification of families, uh, and it's just a vital, vital thing. And if you haven't been going, you pro- you have your reasons and so forth. Let this be an encouragement, a contemplation. Sometimes there's marriages too where one is really committed and the other is not to being part of God's mm-hmm. church. And so I would just encourage you to listen very- through and uh, and pray about how God would use this. You know, I would say that, you know, a lot of people will listen to podcasts and 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 watch sermons on TV. And we're going to talk a little bit that, about that in a few minutes more in depth. Um, but if you're listening to the podcast and you're not going to church and you're like, well, I, I am actually because I listen to sermons and I listen to podcasts that have a lot of scripture in them and things like that. I'm growing um, more than I'm, when I was going to church. Some people right. have that feeling inside them. Right. That's true. We we hear that all the time, actually. Um, but I would just encourage you to please listen to today's full podcast. It is I would say an exhortation, which a lot of people don't understand what that word means. You can look that up in your concordance and maybe look at some verses. You might be surprised to find out that it's actually in the New Testament around 90 times. It's actually a huge function of the body of Christ. And so as a brother and sister in Christ, Mm -hmm. Isaac and I feel compelled Mm -hmm. to exhort you to have a habit of going to church. Um, And you know, for us, this is a, a, a legacy movement. You yeah. guys know we talk about the 10 million legacies movement all the time. Our heart and our passion above all else is that God would be glorified. We are partnering with him in the Great Commission. And part of that Great Commission is disciple making. And so if you are not going to church and being discipled on a regular basis and walking in fellowship with people, that actually breaks our heart. And this is a foundational message to leaving a godly legacy. A lot of people say, oh, I'm raising my kids to be Christians and I want them to know Jesus and be known by him. But you cannot fully experience the body of Christ on earth, which Mm -hmm. is a part of the experiencing God, unless you are going to a church on a regular basis. 
I'm Absolutely. just going to say that. Absolutely. So. And there's so many things that have happened. The stats out there are showing that people that prescribe to believing in the whole word of God is declining just in the last few years. And there's probably because people, less people are actually going to church. They're Christians mm -hmm. and COVID really messed that up and these kinds of things. But, you know, there's future things coming. Don't you think as you think forward for a second, your kid's future, that's what we should be thinking about. Your kid's future yeah. in 10 15 years from now, when they're making their own decisions outside of your home, it, are things going to be easier for Christians or harder for Christians? It's just something to think about. I think probably they're going to be harder in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, you know, and do we want our kids to go to church? It mm -hmm. is really mm -hmm. important. It's super short-sighted, actually, if we're not. And let's just see what God says about it. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So this meeting together is referring to the church meeting. Right. And so, you know, we're going to talk about for a second, you know, we will be talking about what is the church. We're going to get there in a minute. But this specific verse, what's interesting to me is that it ends with as the day draws near, right? Or the mm -hmm. end is coming is mm -hmm. another translation. And this, guys, look at the times that we're living in. And is there not a devil scheming, an evil scheming to get people to be in isolation? Is there not the temptation to just sit cozy in your home watching a sermon on TV and not actually having to brush up against other Christians and be exhorted, be challenged, be held accountable? All the things that God calls us to that are part of the experience of being in the body of Christ and being a participant. And I just think that there's this element where we need to be careful because this is warning us. Mm -hmm. Do not neglect the gathering is a command. That is a commanding declarative sentence. It's not an interrogative sentence that says, oh, if you don't feel like it, then you can decide if you want to go to church. No, God is literally saying, do not neglect the gathering Well, some together. people will say, well, I meet Wednesday with a group of guys, or I meet uh, Saturdays and we go do this with the ladies, and I'm not neglecting the gathering. I'm very social. I'm very networked. And those I, people are believing God. and Yeah. Well, yeah. no, it, there is a difference. That is mm -hmm. all wonderful. But there is an obedience thing about going to church. What does God think about church? He refers to the church as his bride, the bride of Christ. Mm -hmm. And we are to love the bride. God wants the bride. There's another scripture that always comes to mind whenever I hear about or I'm talking to people about the body of Christ on earth being referred to as the bride. There's a scripture that says that God, Jesus, wants his bride blemish-free, mm -hmm. okay? He is the one who sanctifies us and makes us pure as white, white as snow, right? We know this. But part of how God does it, how God does that, obviously it is finished. He died on the cross. But the sanctification, the daily walking it out in life is dealing with 
our temptation to sin, our fleshly desires as we are walking in Christian fellowship with other believers because God put the body of Christ here for the edification of the whole. And part of edification is the exhorting, is the accountability that happens when you're walking in close fellowship and you're rubbing up against each other and offenses happen, right? And so if you're not experiencing that, there is an element of refinement that you are missing out on. Yeah. Okay. There's an element of refinement your kids are missing out on. There's an element of spiritual growth. Yes, I'm going to say it. Spiritual growth that you are missing out on by not being held accountable, by not being confronted with certain sins or issues that maybe you're struggling with. Um, and that is part of God's process for making his bride blemish free. Yeah. That's actually part of the process. And so if we love God's bride, If we recognize that we are all part of God's bride, then we need to try to do our best out of our love for him to obey what his word says regarding how to be a part of the bride. Now, you might be saying, well, I want a blemish free church like the Bible's talking about. I want a perfect church. Where is the perfect church? There isn't one around me. And you are correct. There is no perfect church. Mm -hmm. And so God knows that. He knows that the people in the church aren't perfect, but they are perfected by what Jesus did on the cross. And so we should not be looking for perfection, but we should be looking for some key things. Remember, I also agree on the other point is when you go to a church and you take your family to a church, you're endorsing those leaders to Mm -hmm. your kids to have influence on your family. So I don't take that lightly. You wouldn't take that lightly. So you do need to align on the things that matter. Um, It needs to be a biblically-based church, but some of the other peripheral things shouldn't matter as much. Like whether we love the sound of worship or not shouldn't be the reason why we stay at a church or not stay at a church. There's not going to be a church usually where every single thing is just how you want it. Or professional even, like sounding like a, a professionally recorded worship service, right? Um, That you would listen to on the radio or on a soundtrack or something. And so we just need to realize that like, okay, so when you're choosing a church or when you're going to church, you know, what are the things that really are the close-handed issues? And then really realistically viewing the things that are open-handed issues, treat them like Mm -hmm. open-handed issues is what Isaac is saying. Um, But I think that, you know, on this topic of going to church and we're we're talking about God's view of church, do you know that God loves you? Mm. He loves you so much that he sent Mm. his son to die and that he changed people's lives in such a way that they would be motivated to want to obey Christ, mm-hmm. that they would want to follow Christ, and that they would understand the salvation that's in Christ, that they would share it with you so that you too could be saved, mm-hmm. so that you too could then go and share it with other people, so that those people could come to the knowledge and understanding of Christ Jesus and his gospel mm-hmm. and find the free gift of eternal life. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. That is how much God loves you. And the reality is, is that our kids don't fully grasp the immense amount, sheer amount of love and sacrifice that God has given for us to send us his son to rally all these people to be the body of Christ on earth. I just think it's a beautiful thing that, that the church is actually called the bride, but it's also called the body 
of Christ and that they're members of it. That's yeah. just a beautiful, like when you think about that, that is like image bearing of Jesus Christ here with us, right? Yeah. And so if we are not being a part of it and exercising our spiritual gifts, the church is missing out, right? But we are missing out and we are not actually walking and obeying in what God has called us to in his word. Amen. And we all believe in the spiritual principle of sowing and reaping, right? Yep. So what are we sowing? What are we sowing by streaming a sermon? Yeah, but... Sowing this, in our children. In our yeah. children, in our legacy, in the future. We're, in it's, our own It's hearts. really instant yeah. gratification. Oh, I like this sermon better. I get more out of this sermon I stream from the super pastor than I get from my local pastor. And so it's so hard to get all the kids together and everything. And so we make it once a month, but we really watch, we really love this pastor over in this other state. And I would just say that you're showing something that's not good. Yeah. And I personally, this is not a legalistic thing here. This is my own opinion. I personally believe that it would be better for a husband who doesn't have the gift of teaching to read scripture and discuss it with their family if there's some reason they can't go to church than to stream in in place of church another pastor. Now, hey, all good during the week, midweek, other days to stream in and it listen to a sermon. Additive it should be additive for spiritual growth. But we shouldn't be all the weight of being part of a church and going to church shouldn't be on a sermon and the quality of the oration. It shouldn't be on the worship mm -hmm. and the pleasingness, the quality of the worship, right, to our ears. I it mean, Paul be... even says that he came with with no eloquence in his speech. Yeah. That's written in one of the epistles. And so we need to have a an actually a realistic expectation of church and and see hum, human humanity, right? In our church, that's actually encouraging for you. If you're going to a church where maybe the pastor isn't as eloquent or or your kids watch that, right? Mm -hmm. And then they go, "Oh, maybe I could do this someday." But if you are constantly only going to the 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 mega church pastor that's streamed on TV that has thousands of followers and you're watching them, you're like, "Oh, I could never be like that." And you're discouraged and that actually pushes you towards inaction with your family, then how helpful is it really? Yeah. Because the, the truth is, is that the, the Bible talks about how we have the spiritual gifts dispersed among the members of the body for the edification of the whole. And in Deuteronomy, God commands parents to teach their children. So you mm -hmm. should be teaching your children throughout the week, right? And so if you're not edified and encouraged to actually be reading the word when you listen to a pastor, or like Isaac puts it, a super pastor, then maybe what needs to happen is less listening to him and more going to a, a church service where you're going to be encouraged and you're going to go, you know what, I can do this. But then the, the question is probably why. So let's go into that. I want to take a moment and give you something for free, if you haven't got it already, is the Date Night One Sheet. It is a beautiful document you can download that will have some key questions on it for your date night to just get in alignment about what's most important for your family. No matter what time of year, it's always important to recalibrate. You can get that by going to CourageousParenting.com and subscribing to our mailing list. Um, also, you can get all of our show notes and everything at CourageousParenting.com. And I also just want to share real quick about the Parenting Mentor Program. So many families are being transformed by going through this. Uh, it's the 
six-week self-paced program uh, with live engagement from us and even direct interaction. So if you want to join us, uh, here's a little bit more about it. You can find out more at CourageousParenting.com. Steve and I realized that we were getting too comfortable with the world's vision of how to raise our children. What Angie and Isaac have done in creating this is literally phenomenal. This program provided awesome scripture-based teachings and just some really great practical applications. This class has just really rocked my world. It has given me a vision for not just the different things that we might focus on as parents who are trying to raise our kids biblically, like how our kids are behaving or what we're doing with discipline, but also the things of the heart. We now have a game plan to how we want to raise our children. We have so many answers to the questions that have been in our mind. It's not just these hypothetical situations, or it's not just this, here's what I think you should do. It's, let me show you where in scripture this is. Do your legacy a favor and yourself a favor and just do it. One of the best things that we've done this year, one of the best investments we've made this year, and I could not recommend it more. We're no longer fearing dark days ahead, but we're so excited to raise lights to be leaders for the next generation. What is the purpose of the physical church? What is the purpose of um, a group of believers coming together mm-hmm. on a weekly basis? Mm-hmm. Um, so that is what we're going to talk about. And it's, In Acts 2.42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So this is pretty clear, like, as far as, like, prescriptive of what, some of the things are that we should be doing during the gathering time, which is one of the reasons why a a sermon wouldn't suffice, right? Alone, because there's multi, it's a multifaceted experience where humans are together. Mm -hmm. Do you know, I'm sure you know this, that when human beings get together, they're in they're standing in front of each other. Their hearts actually have an impact being in proximity to each other. That's pretty cool. So there's some really interesting things about the, the human body and Mm -hmm. just being near other humans Mm -hmm. that is helpful, that is encouraging Mm -hmm. and obviously, you know, encouraging one another, but the apostles teaching, yes, teaching is very important. There needs to be sound teaching. Sound Mm -hmm. doesn't need to be eloquent, doesn't need to be having an entertainment Mm -hmm. value necessarily, Mm -hmm. but it needs to be biblical and it needs to be sound Mm -hmm. um, on doctrine. So that's really important. Breaking of bread. What does that connotate? I just even think when you're talking about teaching, if I could just back up yeah. for a second. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, you preached on this this last Sunday, um, verse 3, it says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. It's so and important this to realize that. Is so much, this problem, I believe, occurs more when people are out of fellowship because they can listen to someone who's eloquent, who's claiming to be a, a, a Christian, right? And maybe some things are true, but then there can be a little bit of progressive untruths or maybe some lies from the enemy mixed in with that. And that can be hard for Christians to discern, especially if they're not walking in fellowship with other people where they're able to discuss it, to judge it. And yes, I said judge it because the Bible does tell us in 2 Corinthians, Paul exhorts Christians and says, you are to judge within the church, just not outside the church. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so a lot of people get that missed up. They miss that scripture. And so there is an element 
element where we as Christians need to understand that it's actually our job to test the spirits, to be on watch for false teachers, specifically is if you're listening to a Courageous Parenting podcast, you're likely a parent. And if you're a parent, then you need to be watching out for false teachers to protect your children from lies from the enemy or things that are not actual biblical truth. And so how do you do that? How do your kids learn how to discern that if you're not walking within the fellowship with other people where there is an accountability for that pastor that's standing on the stage because you're actually walking with him in real life. And so there's this element where we need to recognize that this is a temptation. The Bible's literally warning all of us in the New Testament that there is a warning when a time will come when people won't endure sound teaching. So we should be doing communion together. Let me ask you, if you're streaming a, a, a service, are you leading communion with just your family? Well, there is that would be good to do that, but what is even better, what Jesus said is be with each other whenever, as often as you're together, you know, breaking bread together is that you do communion. So mm-hmm. I think that's really, really important that we're with other families, actually. And I even just that. think of when Jesus was talking about, you know, breaking the bread as far as communion goes and doing this in remembrance of me and this practice of like constantly remembering what Jesus did on the cross and keeping the gospel the center of your relationship with him, that this is an important um, practice that we create as a habit, not just for ourselves, but also that this is something that our kids grow up with so that they then have the habit when they're older, remembering like, oh, wow, I am unworthy of the cross. Mm. But wow, Jesus did this for me and he gave me this free gift and how Mm. humbling that is. And having a habit of remembering God's sacrifice is huge for the Christian. And we should be doing that on a regular basis so that we don't get tempted to become arrogant or haughty or boastful so that we are in constant, um, actually judgment of ourselves is what that specific scripture talks about. We need to judge ourselves before we take communion so Mm -hmm. that we are not experiencing sicknesses and all sorts of things. You can look that up later. It's in first Corinthians, but there's an element of that. Like when you're taking communion on a regular basis and you teach your kids the importance of communion there, that is an accountability factor for us to make sure that we are in good fellowship with one another before we take it. And if you are walking in a body of Christ, a fellowship of people, not just watching a sermon on online, for example, there is an element of that where you need to like reflect and go, okay, am I in, have I been offended by anybody in this church? Do I need to reconcile with them before I take communion? That holds you, communion holds you accountable to getting right with your brother. That is a biblical concept. I'll tell you the drive to church was really valuable. Every time we For drive to family, church, yeah. because we would go, I would always say, hey, we're going to do communion. Is mm-hmm. there anybody in the car mm-hmm. that you need to reconcile with mm-hmm. before you take communion? And it was just a beautiful way of any last things from the week that didn't get uh, you know, forgiven or apologized for, you know, talked about, were talked about on the way to church. And that is such a powerful thing. So I think that's really important. And it's one thing when you say it, but it's another thing when the Bible says it and you're going to a body of believers where you're going to take communion together. And um, that's just a beautiful thing. So so, so breaking of bread is super important. Prayer is super important. Mm-hmm. You know, God listens to our prayers, but when multitudes are praying together, it is incredibly 
powerful, right? Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Right? So here's kind of what's happening in the church meeting. There's teaching, admonishing one another. So there's some correction and encouragement mm-hmm. in a loving way, in all wisdom, singing mm-hmm. psalms. So worshiping the Lord together in hymns, right? Spiritual songs, in mm-hmm. thankfulness in your hearts to God. There's something about the beauty of hearing other people's mm-hmm. voices and worshiping the Lord together. It is really powerful. Well, it's the, yeah, it's the saints, right? And it, again, it doesn't have to sound like a professional soundtrack because to God's ears, it is. Like the sound of little kids' voices raising a hallelujah is like sweet honeycomb to God's ears. Mm -hmm. And to neglect church is to neglect your children the opportunity to collectively Praise Jesus mm-hmm. amongst the body of Christ. How sad is that? Think about that for just a second. To neglect the gathering mm-hmm. is to, to neglect your children from the opportunity to praise Jesus collectively with the body of Christ, which is something that, by the way, he commands us to. Um, I even think of, like we were talking about prayer as one of the purposes of gathering together. You know, you can easily be sitting in your home and be praying, right? But even in Matthew 18, 20, it says, um, when two or three are gathered in my name, mm-hmm. I am there in the midst of them. And Yes, that that's in the conflict and resolution portion of scripture where sure. it talks about, you know, going to someone, a brother that has offended you. But this is the thing, like if you're not going to church and building friendships with other people, then you're likely not rubbing up with people on deep hearted issues where there is potential for offense, for example, for sharpening as iron sharpens iron, as Psalm 27, 17 commands us to, right? Like it literally says to be walking in fellowship with one another because that sharpening, that ex- exhortation is what helps us to to grow. And so we are missing out on a huge aspect of, again, how we become this blemish-free bride, right? Um, Which is the sanctification that life is. Um, And it's a beautiful, beautiful aspect. Um, I think sometimes pride can get in the way. You start, just think about the element of, well, I'm growing really well at home. And my family's fine. We don't. We can't find a good church, so it's not worth the hassle of going. It's not really edifying, uh, even though we visited several churches and so forth. If you if you've decided not to do church with other people, then there's some pride that might be there. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, you might believe you are strong enough, and you know what, we'll be fine without the fellowship without being amongst believers. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a a position of pride. I think that we should search our hearts on that. Mm -hmm. And because I actually don't believe that anybody is strong enough not to be part of the church. We, it's very hard for us to see when we start to fall off the rails a little bit and we start getting tickling ears and we start finding new truth that's Mm -hmm. extra biblical, Mm -hmm. and we don't even realize it. We start paying attention to the world a little bit more. There is a recalibration that happens when we're accountable to a body of Christ, when we're going to church together with other people. There's that rubbering of Mm -hmm. of elbows that you're talking about. Yeah. And I know that some of you listening go, well, that doesn't sound very happy. (laughs) That's not a feel-good, like, encouragement experience. Isn't the church supposed to be encouraging and and 
fanning each other's flames. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that that it, that is true. It's yes, true. that is one aspect of it. But this concept of like having people love you and stick by your side through the hard trials and some of those hard trials are the refinement of your character. Some of those hard trials are circumstances that we walk through in life because life happens and life is not promised to us as being an easy journey, especially mm -hmm. as Christians. But we need one another. We need one another. The Bible says to carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Mm -hmm. How can we carry one another's burdens as a body of Christ if we're not even like seeing each other on a regular basis to build that trust to where someone who is burdened is willing to share with you what their burden is. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't know someone's burden, you can't carry it. Am I right? I mean, like, just think about that for a second. But if you do know someone's burden, you have an opportunity to obey Christ and help carry their burden. Mm -hmm. However, God would call you to do that, whether that's praying, actually meeting a need or just sitting and listening to them and meeting an emotional need, right? There's many different ways that that can look. But the reality is, is are we making time for those things, recognizing that those are of eternal value and they actually build treasures in heaven? Yeah. Right? Like we need to understand that there's this element of choosing between just doing something. Like if you're just watching a sermon online each week because you want to check something off the box, oh, we did church together and that was the easier way. It was more time efficient. You can justify it any way you want to, but you're actually not going to church. Here's the thing. Sometimes we orientate our life in a way to afford not going to church, meaning that we get so busy ramping up to Sunday because we mm -hmm. know it's an option in the back of our mind just to not go because we're tired. Uh, we've, we've worked really hard, all these kinds of things. And, and so we don't go. We're just mm -hmm. going to do church from home now. And while I would say there could be a unique situation that happens, but we need to fight for going to church and we need to orientate our life in a way where we're preparing to go to church, where we're not overdoing it the night before, if that's the, if that's or the case. Or we're preparing the night before so that it makes Sunday a more pleasurable experience. Yeah. Like for example, you guys, this, this, podcast is not about home church, but right now we are currently doing home church. And so our family spends Saturday night preparing so that we're not doing all of the cleaning of the bathrooms, mopping the floor, like all of that stuff on Sunday morning. Literally, I think there've been maybe two or three times where we had to do some of those chores on Sunday morning. And those days I'm way more exhausted. Everybody is. So we, and so, we orientate our life to yeah. dedicating Sunday to being part of, you know, the believers and going to church and and then hanging out afterwards and so forth. Fellowshipping so, together. Fellowshipping yeah. together. We're trying to experientially do what the Bible says to do when it comes to church. Mm -hmm. And I think we should do that. And you go, well, my church has a sermon and we worship and it's great. And then everybody leaves afterwards. Okay, that's fine. But maybe you could cultivate with a group of people doing lunch at your house afterwards. Mm -hmm. Or games at the park afterwards with picnic. You yep. know, it, it, it doesn't have to be this just go hear sermon worship and then go home and everybody's just doing their own thing. Well, and it you actually create, is an incomplete experience if could, it's just that. You yeah. need to maybe rethink about how you create the experience at the church you're at mm -hmm. without even demanding anything changes at church. Right. You just, you, you, you be the change within a group of people right. and watch what God does. Using your gift of and desire for cultivating stronger, deeper, more biblical friendships where you're at and use the gifts that God's given you, like your home, to, to bless other people, to edify the church. And I guarantee you, if your pastor's listening to this, 
they would be like, amen, amen, amen. 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 Mm-hmm. They agree with all this. Right. They believe in the Bible. And so the church part at the church is a part of it. But you need to help create the other Part of the if church. If it's missing. Yes. And so, you know, I even think about the verse that we were just reading, which is 1 Corinthians 14, 26. It says, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Other translations say a psalm and a teaching. Yeah. Um, but this specific passage of scripture, again, 1 Corinthians 14, 25, 26, you can go look at that. In fact, I would recommend reading all the way through verse 31 at least, um, or even longer. But it talks about like different aspects of the church. And I am so encouraged by this. And you guys should be too, because the the concept of going to church, Mm -hmm. what it does is it enables you to actually participate in using the spiritual gifts that God has distributed Mm -hmm. to you. It gives other people the opportunity to use the gift that God has distributed to them. Why? For the edification of the whole. This is one other reason why God commands us to gather is so that we, the church, the people, not the building, are actually acting out what God has called us to. We're we're doing the purpose for which he created us, right? And so the edification you think about, like there are people who have an incredible gift of worship and they and, and praise and they can sing in amazing ways and lead people in worship in that way. That's beautiful. There are other people who have other gifts like exhortation, like teaching, different things like that. So here's the thing. If you're not going to church, you're likely not exercising your spiritual gift. And what does God, Jesus literally warns us in the parable of the talents, what happens to people who've been given a gift and they don't use it. He takes it away. He literally warns us. And so if we are not, this concept of going to church Mm -hmm. is so much bigger than just one verse in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. It is so much more, you guys. There's the concept of sowing and reaping with your kids. If you want a godly legacy, you need to be taking them to church on a regular basis. There needs to be a habit of going. And you might wonder what your spiritual gifts are. Well, that's the place to discover it. And yeah, you might not be standing up while the pastor's giving a sermon and trying to do something that's distracting. I hope you don't do that. But but you can do things around church with other people, the the, helping people. Well, even thinking about like how church because it's the people, we're talking about the gathering, which is separate from like the church. We just called it go to church because I would say most people understand what that means. That means go on Sunday to church or, you know, whatever day that your family is worshiping and exercising the Sabbath. And I I think that there's this element though, where we, we do all understand that the church is God's body, which is bigger than the building. And we gather multiple times throughout the week, whether that's for like Bible study meetings, um, mentoring by elders to younger men or younger, older women to younger women. Or doing fun things together. Um, and productive fellowship, like just even that concept of productive fellowship and walking in each other's lives. And you know that so-and-so has a need to put sprinklers in, right? And so people go over and they help put in the sprinklers and you have fellowship together. You're talking, you, maybe you have worship music going while you're working together. You get the job done faster. There's so many elements of fellowship. It doesn't have to look a cookie cutter way. God is a creative God and he created unique people to be part of members of one another for for his glory you guys like Amen. how amazing is it when an unbelieving neighbor sees church members going to help pack up and load and move a neighbor 
How powerful is it when an unbelieving neighbor knows that their neighbor had a baby and they see a church just every day bringing the meal train? How powerful is that for the unbeliever? It's massively powerful because what they're witnessing is the body of Christ in action. It is the hands and feet of Jesus today visible to people who don't know God. And that's sharing the gospel to your kids too. They're experientially seeing what godly people do because they love the Lord and they love each other. And don't we want that? We want them to experientially understand how to be part of the body of Christ and you know, that is really important by being part of this. Let's talk about what church isn't. I think we kind of did this, but real quick, it's not a Bible study. Bible study is great. Awesome. That's not church. Um, not you know, going to church. Not going to yeah. church, right? Uh, we already talked about church, this, tech, using technology instead of going to church, right? That's not going to church. Um, community group, right? Where it's really social and we maybe we're reading a book together and these kinds of things. That's not church. That's that's not church either, although that's really a good thing. Uh-huh. And so we just have to, let's get our priorities straight. Let's make sure our life actually teaches our kids what going to church actually means. I remember when we were newlyweds, I was a new believer as of about a year, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I was working the hardest, actually, mm-hmm. I've ever worked to this day, actually, on a weekly basis. In fact, unfortunately, I was working every single day for the first about four to six months of our marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I shouldn't have been doing that, but as a new believer, I was trying to figure things out and I was trying to build a business. There was a real need to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and we never missed going to church. We yeah. never missed. You were puking and pregnant. I remember stopping the car so that Angie could puke on the side of the road. And you might be thinking, Isaac, you're crazy. No, it wasn't just me. It was Angie. Like we were both committed. We're going. It wasn't me pulling Angie to church. No, no, no. It was was never a question in my mind. There was never the iota of thought, I'm going to miss church because I have morning sickness. That was not something that the devil was going to have a foothold in. And let me just tell you, like, I've had massively hard pregnancies. I'm talking HG with many, if not all of my pregnancies for a long period of time. And the truth is, is that I believe that God sustained me and he was glorified and he is being glorified Mm -hmm. in my kids' lives and in their relationship with him. Because if I've had nine kids, you guys, can you imagine how many years, sheer years, Our kids would have missed of church if I did not prioritize going to church and being willing to vomit in a bathroom at church. If I didn't prioritize that over, oh, I don't feel good. And so in my mind, like there's an element where we have to prioritize things. And and I just want to say, like, if you're listening and you're convicted and and your spirit's going, well, that, oh, legalism. That, that, that makes me feel better to say, oh, that's a legalistic thought, Angie. That makes me feel better. Mm. I, I'm going to call that out as a lie from the devil. Amen. That is literally a lie from the devil because the devil wants you isolated. He doesn't want you walking with believers. You're easier to destroy. You're easier to destroy. Um, God's word over and over again talks about the importance of fellowship and being in each other's lives and not hiding and walking in the light as he is in the light. What it was for me, you guys. My heart in wanting to go to church was that just simply that I wanted to. I wanted 
to be among believers. I wanted to sing worship songs to God. I wanted to pray. I wanted to do communion. I wanted to take my Bible and my journal and take notes and learn from an apostle's teaching. I wanted it. Why did I want it? Because I loved Jesus. Amen. And and that's really what it comes down to. It's a matter of not being legalistic, but it's pure obedience out of love. Amen. And there were times, I will just say, I don't think you mind me sharing, there were seasons where we'd be driving home in the car yeah. and you'd be a little bit sad yeah. because it was hard to find women to connect with. And you had a difficult time at during certain seasons mm-hmm. of finding those people. But that wasn't a black mark on God's church. No, never. That didn't sway our belief in going to church. The, have we ever changed churches before? Yeah, with, with serious... You prayer know, and prayer fasting, and fasting yeah. not just a knee-jerk reaction, not based on our feelings, yeah. but if there's a real valid reason that it's not good for my family to go somewhere and that's validated, it's not just a feeling or something to do with my own pride or something like that, right. then yeah, we've, we've had to do that sometimes. And have we gone a year before visiting different churches? We've gone as much of a year as a year before visiting different churches, mm-hmm. but we had a really joyful experience, and we kind of—it's all about perspective. It was perspective, yeah. and we we met a lot of wonderful people, mm-hmm. and and we really tried not to be too judgy about mm-hmm. the churches because always knowing that this is the bride of Christ, right? And there is no perfect church, but yeah. we do need to find a place for us, and we need to persevere, and we need to demonstrate perseverance. And if we can't find a church that's Bible-believing near us that we want to do, well, you know what they do in China, in Iran, in these other countries? They sacrifice losing their lives to secretly do church in their homes. Praise the Lord, if you're in America, you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. There could be people listening. We have people all over the world, even in China, listening mm-hmm. to this mm-hmm. somehow. Um, and praise God for you guys, your example of putting church as a priority, even at the sake of losing your not only your life, but your children's lives. And so that's how much Jesus means to them. And that's how much Jesus is supposed to mean to all of us. And I think that, you know, verses, chapters in the Bible, like John 14 is one of my favorite chapters. It has been for a long time. Um, But some of the verses in there that just call us to radical obedience in Christ, um, I just want to share with you in John 14, 15, it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, Mm -hmm. you'll keep my commandments. And again, in verse 21, it says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I want Jesus to manifest himself to me. Mm-hmm. Do you want that? For sure. So how does that happen? It happens by loving him enough to obey what his word says and not ignoring scriptures like Hebrews 10, 25 and 24 and 25 that say, mm-hmm. do not neglect the gathering together. Amen. Right? And Amen. then I even think of like, the, you guys have to go read John 14 because there's two other spots in this one chapter where he literally just says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come we will come to him and make our home with him. So to circle back on the point is if you can't find a church where you are, think about what's happening in other countries and what they're doing. And then maybe in the freedom of speech that we do have in most places, we open up our homes and we, we pray to God that we we're part of starting a church. And, you know, I think that there's always a way to do church. And so if we're not, 
Maybe we're just not willing to break out of our comfort zone. Maybe we're just giving into our fears. Maybe we're being too judgmental. Maybe we're being too prideful. Maybe we're thinking we're too short-sighted and we're just exhausted. It takes a lot to get four kids ready. I go there and, you know, I don't get a ton because I'm bouncing a baby and I don't even it. hear the and sermon because there's not a nursing room. I've or, heard that many I mean, times yeah. from Angie. And, or, or and, I mean, there's other reasons too. Like I even think of people saying, I'm not going to go because I'm not really going to get anything out of it anyway. Or my kids are going to get sick if we go because maybe they get sick every Tuesday. There was a season where that happened, right? When we put our kids in Sunday school back in the day when our kids were really little. And it was like every Tuesday they were sick. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, I mean, there's so many things that can be um, a temptation to pull you away from the habit that God has designed for us to help us to be walking in the way that he wants us to. Basic Christian living. We need that kind of accountability Mm -hmm. on a regular basis in our lives. And I'm just going to tell you that sometimes it is pride, like Isaac was saying. But sometimes, too, it's maybe that we're hiding we're in sin and we're hiding and we don't want people to know about the problem that we're having in our marriage. Mm -hmm. Or maybe we don't want people to know how disobedient that three-year-old is. Or we don't want people to know how cluttered our home is and how we're not a very good homemaker. Or maybe we have an idol or something extra biblical that we're hanging onto so tightly and the people at church are just trying to stay biblical and they don't quite agree with the thing you're holding on to tightly. And so maybe we need to open our hand and join the brethren. We don't have to agree on everything. That's never going to happen where you agree on everything. But we do need unity of mind on the things that matter. And we do need to all agree that we want to be biblical Christians and we want to be obeying God's commands because we love him. And we need to open ourselves up to be used by God, to encourage other people to obey his word better. And we need to be humble enough to receive Hmm. it when others come to us with scripture that might exhort us to live better also. So your legacy is worth it and worth fighting for and being an example for, even if in that one week, it wasn't a great experience for you, you're doing something that will echo into the future and echo into eternity. Thanks for joining us, you guys. See you next time. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. For more resources, go to Courageous Parenting and CourageousMom.com for free online workshops, blog posts, and best-selling courses. Also, we wanted to quickly tell you about our six-week online parenting mentor program. Isaac and I created a powerful biblical curriculum. Here's how it works. Each week, we release a video with a downloadable parenting packet to make it easy for you to incorporate those teachings directly into your parenting. This is an incredible self-paced program where we cover everything from obedience training to overcoming mistakes most Christians are making. But more than that, it's a supportive community. You'll have access to our private online group, live webcasts, and the Courageous Parenting text message line where Angie and I can send you weekly encouragements straight to your phone. If you're interested in joining our next online parenting mentor program, secure your spot now at CourageousParenting.com. That's CourageousParenting.com.